This morning's reading is from Luke 14, starting at uh, chapter 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back to and reported this to his master. The owner of the house became very angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, said the servant, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And do turn, please, back to page 1048. We're going to be in Luke 14 for the next little while. If we haven't met, uh, which we may not have done, I'm James. We've just moved to Oak Hill, my wife and I, Catherine. Uh, we tend to go to the 6 p.m., but it's very, very lovely to be here this morning. Now, shall I pray for us? Lord God, thank you very much for your powerful word. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for the chance now to come to you and listen. Please make us humble listeners, and please change us by what we hear. Amen. Well, folks, I wonder how you respond when you're invited to a wedding. Maybe you're the sort of person, when the invitation comes through the door, you immediately put the date in the diary... The invitation goes on the fridge and you send the RSVP to the bride and groom saying, yes, thank you so much, we would love to come. Uh, Maybe you're the sort of person, you get the invitation and your heart sinks as you think, oh my goodness, not another wedding. You check the diary, you really hope there's something in there already, thank goodness, the cat's getting a haircut, I don't have to come, invitation in the bin. Or maybe you're the sort of person who sees the invitation come through the door and you think, that sounds lovely. The date goes in the diary, the, calendar, the, the, uh, the, the invitation goes on the fridge, but you notice that the RSVP deadline's not for a few months off, so no need to worry about that today, I'll do that in a, in a little while. I, I'm definitely that kind of person, which means that there have been a number of occasions in the past few months where Catherine and I have turned up at a wedding, only then to, to ask the question, did we actually RSVP? I don't remember. So we've had to sort of slink off and look at the seating plan to see if our names are actually there. Thankfully... We've not yet been in the situation where the bride and groom weren't expecting us. Uh, So the system clearly works very well. Um, The question in today's passage is, who will be at God's wedding banquet? Uh, The language of wedding banquet or feast is language the Old Testament uses to speak of the eternal future God is making for his people. So today's passage is about who will be in heaven. Um, As we're going to see in a moment, God has invited widely. Billions and billions of invitations have gone out in the post. Everyone's invited. You are invited, your friends 
and your family, but not everyone will be there. Only some names will be on the seating plan. And so the question is, who? And how do I RSVP? Um, If you're following along on the handout, uh, we are at point one, um, the delusional insiders. If you like taking notes or if it's helpful to have some structure, there you go. Point one, the delusional insiders. Um, In 1912, there was a man called Philip Franklin, and he was the vice president of a British shipping company, and he said this, there is no danger that Titanic will sink. The boat is unsinkable. And even a little while later, after after they'd been told about the collision with the iceberg, uh, that same shipping company said this, we are absolutely satisfied that even if she was in a collision with an iceberg, she is in no danger. With numerous watertight compartments, she is absolutely unsinkable, and it makes no difference what she's hit. I mean, isn't that just extraordinary confidence and completely, tragically wrong? And we've entered a passage halfway through a story, halfway through a dinner party that Jesus is in attendance at. He's uh, at, the, at supper with some Pharisees who are the religious leaders of the day, powerful and respected people. And as for that question we talked about at the start, who's going to be at God's eternal banquet? Um, Those Pharisees he's at supper with, they have titanic levels of confidence that they would be there. Uh, Have a look, please, at verse 15. This is an important verse. Verse 15. The guest who Jesus is sitting next to leans over and says this to him. Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. You can hear, can't you, the smug, self-righteous, self-conscious attitude in those words. Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God, says this man. You've got this Pharisee surrounded by all his Pharisee friends saying to Jesus, won't it be brilliant to be in heaven? And aren't we the special ones who deserve to go there? extreme confidence this man has uh, based on a couple of things probably based firstly on the fact that he's Jewish he's part of God's historic people that he's been dealing with all through the Old Testament and based secondly I think on the fact that he works really really hard at keeping God's laws and he's really good at it the Pharisees big thing was to meticulously obsessively and publicly keep all of God's laws as much as they could plus some extra ones that they'd made up. And as far as they saw it, they were the very best of the very best of the right group of people. Of course, I'm going to heaven, they thought. Do you know who I am? Have you seen what I've done? God will be so pleased to spend eternity with me. Uh, These Pharisees have titanic levels of confidence and entitlement, entitlement based on who they are and what they've done. And there are people like that today, aren't there? There may even be people like that in this room, people who are confident that God is very, very pleased with them because of who they are and the sort of life they've lived. I grew up in a Christian home, so God must be pleased with me. I've been baptised and confirmed, so of course I'm in. I'm a really decent person. 
I'm religious, I go to church every week, I even enjoy it, so of course I'm in. Not everyone is as consciously and outspokenly confident as the Pharisees, but think how many people quietly presume that when they die, everything will be absolutely fine. And if there is indeed a God, he'll be very pleased to see me. I know lots of people like that, quietly, confidently thinking that they're the right sort of person and that everything will be okay in the end. Well, that's what these Pharisees thought. That's what the man sitting next to Jesus thought. And what he was hoping for from Jesus, I think, was a pat on the back and a wink and a yes, well done. God is thrilled with you. See you in eternity. But unfortunately for that man, he gets his bubble burst as reality crashes in like a 400-foot ship-sinking iceberg. And Jesus exposes him and his Pharisee friends as being utterly delusional and in grave danger of missing out on eternity with God. So this parable that we've just heard, we're about to look at, is a warning to them and a warning to us not to be like them. So let's hear the parable and heading to if you like taking notes, the banquet and the excuses. I'm going to read from verse 16 again. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great, a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who'd been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Now, as I understand it, invitations worked a little bit differently uh, back then to how they work now. Nowadays, invitation comes in the post, it says the exact time you RSVP and you turn up. Uh, in Jesus' day, you get the invitation, uh, it might say, I'm having a banquet in five weeks' time, so my five weekends' time, do you want to come? And you'd say yes or you'd say no. And then when everything was ready, the host would send out one of their servants to round up everyone who'd said yes and that it was time to come. So at this banquet, Everything's ready, the champagne's been poured, the canapes have been made, the food's hot and good to go, the DJ's ready, and the host sends out the servant to the guests who'd said yes, now is time to come to the banquet. But as he goes and rounds up the guests, those excuses start coming in. Uh, these are people who said they'd wanted to come, but who decide at the last minute they're not going to. And so let's listen to the excuses and think, um, think about what you make of them. I'll read from verse 17. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who'd been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they began all alike to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married, so I can't come. If you were the host of that banquet, what would you make of those excuses? You've gone to all this effort and expense preparing all this food and all this banquet. Uh, but on the day you get, sorry, I need to go and look at my fields. Sorry, I need to go and try out my cows. Sorry, married. If you're the host, I think you understand exactly what these excuses mean. They mean I have absolutely no interest in you or your banquet, my things are more important, and I'd rather do anything else. Um, so let's look at these excuses in turn. Number one, I've just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Now, I don't know heaps about farming. 
but I have seen both seasons of Clarkson's Farm, so I guess that's a pretty good introduction. And I get the sense that the, the quality of the fields that you grow your carrots in or you graze your sheep on, that it's quite important to have a good field. Good field equals healthy soil equals big carrots or happy sheep. Uh, bad field equals bad soil equals small carrots or sad sheep. Uh, I don't know loads about farming, but that sounds about right to me. And I think that means it is absolutely unthinkable that you would buy a field without having looked at it first to see if your sheep might be happy there. It'd be like the dragons on Dragon's Den investing in the company before even finding out what they do and what they make or whatever it is. It makes absolutely no economic sense. And even if this guy was stupid enough to buy a field without looking at it, um, the deal's been done and the field will still be there tomorrow, which is why the excuse, I'm really sorry, I've got to go and look at my new field, is a total snub to the hosts. Thank you for the invitation to the banquet. I know I said I could come, but I'd rather look at a patch of earth I've just bought. Um, excuse number two, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. If you're not sure what five yoke of oxen means, it just means five pairs of big cows uh, who pull things on a farm. Um, if you don't have a tractor, you get an ox instead. Um, now, again, not a farming expert, but on Clarkson's farm, um, when they need to buy a tractor or a seed drill or a cultivator or whatever it might be, um, they have a very, very good look at the thing they're buying because a seed drill that doesn't drill seed is a huge waste of money. Um, ten oxen would have cost a lot of money. Um, if they're weak or old or ill or they don't work properly, they are absolutely no use on the farm. It'd be like dry, uh, buying a tractor without a steering wheel. Again, unthinkable that this farmer would spend all that money um, on cows before even looking at them or, or trying them out. And if he didn't, if he is that stupid, they'll still be there tomorrow. Uh, so what he's really saying is, thank you for the invitation to the banquet, but I'm very sorry, I know I said I could come. My things are just more important right now, and I'd rather spend the evening doing manual labour at the smelly end of a cow than come to your banquets. Um, and excuse number three, I've just got married so I can't come. Well, there's not much gloss here. He doesn't say, please excuse me. He just says, I can't come. So imagine you're the host again. You invited someone to this party um, in five weeks' time, and they say, yes, I'd love to come. And then in between invitation going out and banquets, they get engaged, plan a wedding, get married, rush off on honeymoon. That is quite an extreme way to get out of going to the party, isn't it? At best, it's very, very bad diary planning, at worst, it's I will do anything to avoid you and your party. Um, either way, uh, all the, uh, the, the, the excuses are the same. It is outright contempt and rejection of the host. Uh, but it's important to know that Jesus isn't trying to tell us how not to respond to an invitation um, uh, for, for a banquet. It's got absolutely nothing to do with etiquette. Um, Jesus is telling this story in order to answer the question... Who will be in heaven? And in telling this story, he's pointing out to the Pharisees that they have the same attitude towards God as the people in the story have to the hosts. He's telling them that whether they know it or not, they have rejected God 
and his invitation to spend eternity with him. And remember their confidence, how sure they were. We are the special ones. Blessed is the one who eateth the feast of the kingdom of God. But Jesus says to them, far from having your places assured, you have actually declined to come because they have rejected him. And God is preparing a glorious future for his people. He sent his son Jesus to announce that the time had come, follow me. But like the people in the story that Jesus tells, the Pharisees are not interested. It's not that they don't want to spend eternity with God. It's not that they're not interested in that. Clearly they are, and clearly they think they're in. It's that they've rejected the call from the one who announces, the time is now, follow me. And in rejecting Jesus, they are RSVPing no to God's eternal banquet. And so the question for us in London in 2023 is an urgent one, and it's where do I stand with Jesus? It's all too possible to be very religious or very respectable or very decent, but at the same time wholly uninterested in Jesus. And that, Jesus says, is choosing not to be at God's banquet. Saying no to Jesus is saying no to eternal life. It's important to remember that um, no RSVP is the same as RSVPing no, leaving Jesus um, as something important to think about when I'm a bit less busy. Um, is the same as rejecting him. Um, If Jesus is not king in our lives and the lives of our friends and our family, um, then that is saying no to eternity with God, just like these Pharisees did. Well, how does God respond when people reject Jesus? Does it bother him? Uh, Well, we're now at point three, the master's response. And we're just going to read the last few verses from verse 21. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you've ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so so that the house will be full. I tell you, none of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Does it bother God when people reject Jesus? Well, clearly, yes. He is furious. Listen again to those chilling words in verse 24. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. It is a disaster to reject Jesus. But notice that in the parable, the host doesn't cancel the party just because those original guests say no. Instead, the invitation goes wider and wider and wider. Bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame, he tells his servant, and they say, we have, and there's still room. So we'll go out to the country lanes and find anyone you can and bring them in. The party isn't cancelled just because those who were first invited drop out. The party will be full, and it will be brilliant. And in the same way, God hasn't cancelled his glorious new creation just because the people who were first invited said no to Jesus. And God's people in the Old Testament, the Israelites, when Jesus came to them 
2,000 years ago saying, come, everything is ready. And they rejected him and they killed him. But that doesn't mean that God's cancelled the plans. He hasn't cancelled the new creation. Instead, the invitation's gone out wider and wider and wider. And after Jesus rose from the dead, the gospel exploded globally and people of every tribe and tongue and nation have been invited to spend eternity with God. And as people come to Jesus every day, the seating plan gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that is just what Jesus said was going to happen. Um, Can we flick back to chapter 13 and verse 29? I think it's one page earlier. Chapter 13 and verse 29, this is what Jesus said would happen. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Um, And that is very good news for us at St. John's, isn't it? and us in London. Um, We're a mostly Gentile church, which means that most of us aren't Jewish. Uh, We're people from all over the world in this building. Uh, None of us deserves a place in God's kingdom, least of all us. And we've got absolutely no business there. Rotten sinners, each one of us, and not even part of the right people group. And only by God's grace has the invitation been extended as far as even us. But it has been, because God is kind. And only by coming to Jesus, by following him, by making him our king, can we be assured of our place in God's new creation. Those Pharisees had titanic levels of confidence that they were assured a place in God's kingdom because of who they were, and what they'd done. But when they were faced with the decision of whether or not to follow Jesus, they declined to come. And wonderfully, because of God's amazing grace, we've been invited, and it would be such a disaster to make the same mistake as they did, to put Jesus off, or to put him to the side, or to let go of him. But if we're followers of Jesus, which... I take it, lots and lots of us are. He, if he is your saviour and your king, you can, we can, um, have wonderful and true and real assurance um, that we are on that seating plan, that he will come back and save us when he returns, and save us for a glorious eternity in the new creation. And if Jesus is your king, that is your future. The Pharisees had completely false assurance because of who they were and what they'd done but if we have Jesus we can have real assurance and that we will be there and we will enjoy him into eternity and we will really be able to say blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God I'm going to pray for us Lord God we thank you for speaking in your words so clearly about how important it is to respond to Jesus. And thank you for your kindness in um, opening so many eyes over the years to see Jesus as the King and the Saviour and the only way to know you. We ask, please, that those of us in the room for whom uh, that's true, that, that we'd be deeply, deeply assured of our future and emboldened to keep going and pressing on with Jesus. And Father, for folk who are like the Pharisees, uh, self-assured, please 
please reveal that Jesus is the only source of true confidence um, about the future. Amen.